getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like you. Welcome to Getting to Know Woo. I'm Natasha Levenger, a professional intuitive reader, energy healer, and inner child healing expert. After being raised with extreme narcissism, I found talk therapy was helpful, but it wasn't until I found energy and inner child healing that I was able to break free of family patterns that cut me off from knowing and loving my true self. I'm passionate about dispelling the rhetoric that these kinds of tools are impractical and ineffective. And in this podcast, I will be sharing how actually beneficial and transformative they are. My husband and producer, Brett, will be joining me in conversation, and we will be welcoming experts along the way. I'm excited to have you here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, no. What happened? What, what's up, losers? Oh, we forgot. I know. Well, no, I was just expecting it. I didn't oh. know if you were dropping the oh, losers. I, I so forgot much. what I said. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> you seemed you seem traumatized by it, though. Well, I was a little sad. Said, oh, no. Yeah, well, because we weren't calling them losers oh, anymore. Oh, we can call them okay. losers. They haven't expressed, you haven't expressed, losers, how <laughs> you want. Re- well, a few of you have, but um, maybe they Did don't we like ignore losers. Them? Maybe. Yeah. That's possible. Um, anyway, what I want to say is, we're first of all, we're in a new um, space today. Yeah. It's pretty, I find it very exciting. Yeah, no, it is very exciting. Oh, okay. We no longer have to take up and set, or set up and take down our setup every time. Desk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a permanent space. And it used to be in your office, and now your office is more clear, <sighs> so you can really get to it. And yeah. we have our own room. Yeah. Um, but anyway, today we have a wonderful guest, Tanya Carol Richardson, who we love so much. Our friend, first repeat guest. Oh, you know, yeah. Friend of the show, friend of mine. Um, <laughs> and we'll talk about her in a second. Yeah. I mean, it will be really good because we're here to talk about her Oracle deck. And we're going to give a deck away, but this is how you can win it. The way you can win it is to email us at getting to know woo at gmail.com and we'll just we'll pick a number ahead of time and then whatever number comes in oh no we'll we'll get all of the entries and then because if we pick it ahead of time we might exclude people okay they don't need to know the whole process Um, you don't want to see the sausage being made So just email us and we'll figure it out from there and you'll have your chance to win this deck. It's such a great deck. And not to say that the deck itself isn't amazing, but I do think my favorite part is it comes with this very soft cover, purple cover with a butterfly on it. and Like a little satchel for yes, the whole thing, right? Yes, a little right? satchel. It's very soft and lavender and I love it. That's uh, that's a funny thing to be your favorite part of an oracle deck. I know. <laughs> but I just love it. Yeah, it you is. You know, most of them quality. don't come with this. No. Most of them don't. So yeah, it you was just, gotta... just like an extra fun little treat. Yeah. A very well made. Yeah. So any hoosers, any woozers. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to talk for a minute here before we talk to Tanya with my energy report slash theme of the week that I've been noticing. And um, it's actually been a huge light bulb moment for mm. me. Okay, so what I want to talk about is how our environment is so crucial to our um, 
state of being overall. Yeah. And that includes the people you're around, the actual environment you're in. It gives you more control over, you know, how what boundaries you want to set right. or not set. Right. Um, but one thing that happened was <laughs> I was doing a reading for a client and we were talking, she was talking to her inner child and her inner child was in this environment where she was acting very strangely. Hmm. And she wasn't sure what was going on. And I noticed it was like, oh, she was like back in her toxic environment at home and trying to like manipulate herself in order to be able to be understood, to fit in, for her to understand the energy going on. And this is... You know, oh, something that we all do as kids, if we are yeah. whatever environment we're if well, that's not true. If we're in a traumatic environment, an environment where we are not allowed to be ourselves. Right. You know, this is what kids do. So we, this is where trauma responses develop. If we're people pleasers, we will try to manipulate the environment. If we, you know, or we'll develop like fighting, whatever it is. It's like we're fighting for the first time I saw it in a visual way how we're, we fight the environment that we're in. Right. It, okay, so that's what we do as kids. And then what we do on top of it is we blame ourselves because we're like, okay, wait, there's something wrong with me that I'm not, that this environment isn't accepting me. In. Right. It's an inhospitable environment, but we blame ourselves. Like, okay, so what do I need to do right. in order to uh, survive this environment? And yeah. we develop these feelings about ourselves and we form very hard rigid beliefs about ourselves and we then develop these things where okay this is how i have to relate to people now this is what i expect instead of because we can't do this as kids noticing that it's the environment it's not us right. and that if we could magically take ourselves out of the environment and into a hospitable environment we would be able to see and feel oh it's it's not me it's it's the environment. Yeah. And so I feel like I've said environment like 12 times. <laughs> but it's, you know, the people. And then often it's like if you are in a, in, a, in a traumatic, toxic environment, those people are doing the same. They came from a similar situation. So they're using their unhelpful coping skills and they're taking it out on you. And right. then you absorb it as a kid. And you're like, okay, well, then this is what I deserve. This is how. I, and then that feels normal and natural. And then you, uh, you know, get people in your life who are like, you start right. to fit in and match with that energy instead of now being able to recognize, oh, it's the environment. It wasn't me. Yeah. And creating for yourself, and this is a, a hospitable environment. So like in terms of inner child work, what you can do or energy work or healing or trauma, you know, to, to heal this, it's really important that your inner child, this part of you is still in that energy field and needs to know, wait a minute, there is a place where I'm supported. It's like when you're around somebody as an adult who's like, kind of rejecting of you or isn't or even doesn't have to be that strong can just like not vibe with you like you right. two are just two different people and it can just feel like eh, you know it just doesn't feel good yeah and then when you're with someone who does get you it's suddenly like oh i can relax i can you know be who i am right right 
But if you already know, oh, I'm our, I know who I am and I like who I am and then you can start to recognize, oh, you know what? This just isn't a good match or this just isn't a good environment for me. And in some ways, like us in North Carolina, it wasn't, that's kind of a good example of it not being like a toxic, traumatic thing. But just at least for me, it was good. Like I loved our house. I loved our land. But it just, as we move into a place where I am more resonant, we all are, it's just so clear what happens when you're in a hospitable environment. Yeah. It's like things move better. I, you know, it's right. easier There's to flow. make friends. Yeah. It's easier to just like things with the kids' school happen easier. It's just like all of that yeah. happens. Just like so, if you can't like move or whatever, you can create this within. And so one of the ways with inner child healing that I love is to just let yourself imagine. It really works. It's like. People think all this stuff is, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably don't feel this way. But it's like if you can imagine, okay, what is my safest imagination? Like in my imagination, where do I feel the most safe? And then, so for me, it's like a forest. I like to imagine my inner child like in a forest. I go there with her. I can instantly feel this safety. And then I ask her, okay, where do you live? And Hmm. we go there. And it's like, and then I bring that energy back. And I also do, like, this is why I love reprogramming meditations um, and why I make so many of them because it really does help to retrain the mind and create these new neural pathways where it's like your brain remembers your childhood as being whatever it is that you are now telling it. Mm. Yeah. So if you, especially if you do it a lot. So I've been like rewriting my whole childhood. I moved a lot. So there's like a lot of different houses and I'll like change the houses and I'll like make them cozy and the people around me cozy. Huh? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And I've been like kind of going through all of them so that they're new and so, so that they're hospitable environment. Right. Right. And it's just wild. I guess for me, seeing specifically this one client's inner child, like physically trying to manipulate herself in a very strange way to try to fit in the environment. It was just like, oh, my God. Like it was just so clear as opposed to emotionally, which I'm more used to. What do you mean she was physically? Like she was just moving her body around in a specific way. like In a weird way. Yeah, like in an unnatural like way that you wouldn't normally move. I see. Just to like try to like fit in and understand. And it was like, oh my God, she's not the problem. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. not her. Right. It's the environment. Yeah. I mean, I definitely resonate with that idea. Like, I mean, just growing up in uh, in the Mormon church yeah. and feeling at odds with it. Uh, but yeah. there really is no capacity as a child to no. do anything about no, it. No, you yeah. can't. You don't yeah. have any capacity. Yeah. That's why I think they say, like, if you have one loving parent, that can be enough. Or one loving adult. One right. loving adult, right, yeah. right, right. To That can be enough to help the person not, like, basically be functional and not have as much trauma. Right. And I really think that's because it's like somebody is, like, basically letting the person know it's not them. You know, it's like, okay, this environment is toxic or not good for you, inhospitable, but here I will reflect back in some way that you're good in these ways or it's not you and yeah, that there's something in you that's good and worthy and yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think maybe like for you, because your dad was allowing you to be questioning, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a little bit of a mind fuck, to be honest, mm. because like there, I just so everybody knows what we're talking about. My dad grew up in the Mormon church, but his dad was not an active member and he had a brother who was not an active member. And so his parents always let, you know, it was known he didn't need to be a member of the church to get love from them. And he let us know that explicitly, but there was still a lot of messaging that right, it was expected that you'd be, you know, a devout member and have right. a strong testimony of the church and right. all of that. So. It's interesting though, because that was like all you needed. That's the thing, yeah. like even with all of that uh, gaslighting really and confusion <laughs> it was like still having and he was a very loving oh he guy. i mean both of my parents were very loving mm -hmm. and supportive but they were doing it in you know within the confines of a very unsupportive and restrictive church <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah so that's why it's like it is good to know like okay you don't need too much like, and also it's like what you're telling your brain is real because in a lot of ways, all of this is made up. It's like you can tell your brain anything in some ways if it's like, like for instance, with me, my mom was wholly rejecting and my dad was not. And he said he, like, I knew he loved me, but I extrapolated on that in a very big way that right. wasn't happening. Like he right. also was com almost completely absent, almost never there, hardly ever protected me from my mom. Right. So some the few times he did, it really stuck out for me as being like, okay, it's proof I'm lovable. Like, right. and I was also able to then see men as kind and loving, and then yeah. have a lot of relationships in my life trusting men. Yeah, which was not. You know, most people don't like, <laughs> most women have bad experiences with men. Yeah. Like, but, um, well, I don't know most, but there is, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a trope for right, a reason. Right, exactly. Um, can I just say, I it, like, it is wild to me the way reprogramming works, that you can just yeah. tell your brain shit. But I also just realized that is essentially what people keep doing their whole lives anyway yes. with their trauma responses. Yes, they exactly. tell themselves, I'm not good enough. Right. I'm not worthy. I'm not whatever. That's and right. it becomes the reality for them. Or I mean, not the reality that they aren't, but right, like right. their environment reflects that belief. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so you can tell your, that's why it's like, okay, my little brain was like, okay, well, my dad loves me. I know I'm really loved by him. Like I felt it from him. Turns out he was a narcissist, but I was the <laughs> golden child for him, but I didn't realize it at the time. Right. So it was like, okay. And so then my brain was like, okay, I'm lovable in this particular way. So you can tell yourself whatever you want. But here's the thing that I really believe is that at our core, our spirits, our essences are all worthy. They're all. So like anything that aligns with that is what has more power ultimately. Mm. Like you can always come back to that. You just have to figure out how to access it if you have had so much programming in the way of it. Right. Yeah, that's just always accessible in some way. It's just you have to you have to figure out how to, yeah, I already said. Yeah. So if a person even as an adult like let's say they were in an environment that they don't have control over to leave like maybe their job or whatever is yeah. is toxic for some reason. Yeah. Um how how do they 
how do they apply this idea of like the environment being inhospitable yeah. to them? So if it's a job you're talking about? Well, I, that was just an example. I mean, maybe it's home life. Like if they're, if you're, you know, in a marriage or living with parents who are, you know, yeah, where I, you can't, don't have the choice to just exit that environment. Right. Well, with kids, it's the hardest because you right. really can't. With even in a marriage, it's like, so we're talking to adults here. It's like the most, the more you can create that inner hospitable environment, like you said, the more your environment, I mean, I see this all the time, changes with my clients, like in yeah. little ways, even, I mean, I see it with me too, but I'm just thinking of like, I have this one client I'm working with who um, started to work on herself in a specific way. And then in terms of like valuing herself more and her her desires and her needs. And then suddenly her husband started react, like started to have more interest out right. of nowhere right. in her thing. And she didn't even say anything. Right. You know, so those are the kind, it, you can create that. And I really feel like, well, I know from my own life that too, that when you're shifting this stuff, then you start to have more capacity to know, you start to recognize where you've been shutting these doors mm -hmm. or creating it and are responsible. Not that you're responsible for how someone bad, like toxic treats you or like, right. but that, oh, I'm putting this out um let's say and like i can stand up for myself in right. this way in a way i didn't think i thought i just had to take it like maybe right. you had a lot of victim pictures right. or something um or you just said you start really truly your energy is all part of this so yeah. like your energy gets bigger your energy starts to open up and you start to see possibilities where you didn't see them before yeah it really does happen like that and yeah. it feels like magic and i think it only feels like magic because um, we are trained to be muggles <laughs> and we're trained to look at the world in this very shut down way. And so as you start to awaken to your energy and open your energy and trust, and you do that by trusting yourself, valuing yourself, yeah, following your desires, taking your desires seriously. That's another thing I was talking to. <laughs> a lot of my clients are coming up today. I was talking to a different client who was, um, you know, just talking about Taylor Swift and Travis, what's his name, Kelsey, oh, and yeah. um, like kind of thinking of it as like a frivolous uh, off-handed thing that she was saying about like, she knew that it was like that she was projecting some stuff onto them that <laughs> probably wasn't true, but she was feeling it. And I was like, well, that's important. We don't, none of this is random. Like when we mm -hmm. have these Celeb let's say a celebrity crush or something that's telling you something about you that you want to like like in her case it was like she wanted more of that love and that like oh. whatever it was she was projecting doesn't matter if it wasn't happening right in real right. life um, right with those two it's like that shows her that shows you what what it is that you're wanting right so all and that's how you awaken to the rest of the world too then the rest of the world starts to, it's like when this is one way that people that muggles accept this stuff is by being in love you know like when you're first in love it's like everything suddenly flows and like right. people start to feel good in every way and like oh you start to see opportunity stuff like that like right, people are right. suddenly nicer to you or whatever that's because you're like love is a truly highly magical energy i believe that it <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
looked at me. So the it really does transform it. It it awakens you to your because that's what you we really are. That's part of why it's so magical because yeah. it aligns you with who you really are, yeah. and it's like it wakens up those cells in you that are aligned with that. Yeah. The the reason why you part of the reason why you feel bad when you're in all that programming is because it isn't you. That's how you know it's not true. Yeah, and I just like I feel like this is the only example I have to share is, is the way I started drawing boundaries at work and like having needs at work. My actual, like the demands of my job have only gotten worse uh, as time has gone (laughs) on, but my relationship to work has made it more tolerable than when the demands were lighter. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it is, uh, it is for, I mean, that's a great example for me anyway of how changing like, the interior Acknowledging that life. the environment is bad, that I can have needs that are separate for it and that I can stand up for myself did essentially change my experience of the work environment. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, yourself and the rest of yes. your life. Yep, definitely. You sound like I'm angry about it. <laughs> and the rest of your fucking life. It does make me up. It does make me angry that we have been fed. It's, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but like that we've been fed this bill of goods that we are dependent on our external circumstances and if you think anything else then you are you know you're probably a woman and you're probably uh what do you mean well because women are are witches are the ones who are usually most of my clients are women most of the people who are looking into other ways to transform their lives in this particular way like yeah like um oh oh oh, i see if the people who do think differently than that tend to be women yes (laughs) men tend to do it and there's something i like this part too but like if men are in this kind of work it's usually not always i'm not yeah hashtag not all men but Often it's like physical, like the Wim Hof or whatever, the ones who do like the ice dunking. It's like usually a physical thing that's happening to transform. Like oh, like oh, the then, Joe Rogans who go in his little chamber. You don't know about know, any of this. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why do you know about Joe Rogan's chambers? I don't know because I know about all kinds of alternative methods for healing. It's I And I, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, actually. It's like the... Um, What's it called? Like the no deprivation, the deprivation. The sensory deprivation. Yeah, yeah. I think he has one of those or something. Um, but stuff like that. They usually are doing physical stuff, and then they're like, "You can tell because your physical body's changing." And then it works on your mind. And <laughs> right, and then it's real. I sound like I don't. Uh, it's funny. I'm like, I don't have anything against it, and then I. Say this. But I really don't. I mean, I think um, that stuff works too. Well, it's uh, an outside it's in versus inside out approach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but breathing is another thing. Conscious breathing, yeah. breath work is very powerful because it connects you to your whole self. And when you're stuck in these program, the programming is in your mind. Yeah. So you would think in some ways, oh, you can think your way out of this, like with traditional therapy, but it doesn't work that way. Right. You can't. Well, conscious thought is such a small part of your mind. Like mm. there's like the thoughts you can control are mm. are only like working on the surface of everything that your mind is doing, your mind and being. I mean, at least that's how I view it. Interesting. Oh, and 
before we get to our guest, uh, we just wanted to say if you could subscribe to this show, rate it, review it, whatever, it helps people find us and we really appreciate it. Tell a friend about it. Yeah. Recruit more woozers. That's right. Get the woozers on board. (laughs) Okay. Well, we have to get to our interview, so let's do that. And then when we're done, I will pick a card from Tanya's deck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to read her bio real quick. Tanya Carol Richardson is a writer and professional intuitive who has worked with thousands of empath clients all over the world. She is a regular contributor to Mind Body Green and the author of nine nonfiction books, including Self Care for Empaths and an annual Self Love Calendar. We're so happy to have you back here. Welcome back. Thank you. Yay. You are, I think, the most prolific author, creator that I know. Yeah. And you, how many decks did you have out, have, how many decks have you released this year? Two. One in June and one in September. The first one is about intuition and the second one is about grief, but it has this lovely title, Grief, Grace, and Healing. So there are a lot of themes in that second one. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to be, I mentioned this before, but we're going to be giving away a copy to one of our listeners, which is exciting. That's I don't exciting. know which one. Things that are exciting. So <laughs> you do like things that are exciting. Okay, good. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Oh, I just said, I know you like things that are exciting, which always reminds me to tune into something that's exciting. Oh, you do? I didn't know that you thought that about me. I like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like it would be a safe bet for most people that they like things that are exciting. I don't know. There's some pretty shut down people who who maybe they don't know that about themselves. (laughs) So can you tell us, did you come up with this idea? Was it solicited of you or what made you... I know. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And it's one of those rare times as an author, these kind of things do happen, but usually they don't where this Simon and Schuster editorial director just contacted me cold through my email and said, I know you've done a lot of books and you have a self-love calendar, but I see that you haven't done any Oracle decks. And I think your audience might like that. And then the editor had the idea that we do one about intuition and one for grief. So that was the information or the intel that I was given. Let's do one for intuition, one for grief. And then the fun thing about being an author is then they usually let you roll from there. So Mm -hmm. everything else was my idea, including the three elements. Oh, I love that. What was really cool, though... You know, to be totally fair, I had a great editor at that imprint who was helping me. And we were when we were first formatting the deck, I had all the I had a lot of information written. And he said, now, do you want to have any suits to this deck? And I said, well, you know, Oracle cards aren't like tarot cards where they normally don't have suits in the way a traditional tarot deck does. But then, as you know, it's one of those funny things where someone suggests something and you immediately resist it. And then as the days went by, I thought, you know, I can't forget that comment he made. Mm. And when something Mm. keeps coming back to your mind, it can be your intuition trying to kind of nudge you to pay attention. So I thought, okay, 
Um, let me look at this idea of suits. And then I realized, oh, grief, grace, and healing. We can make each, we can make three suits and then we can, you know, kind of organize the information that way. And what's nice about it is that if you were going to the deck and you might think, you know, I'm not really actively grieving anything right now, but I'd really love to know how to connect better to grace and I'm, I would love some nice soft healing energy. You could isolate those two suits and just mm. pull cards from there. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, that is amazing because that does give a lot more utility to a, a deck about grief. But I also love that you like those seem like such natural partners when you have called them out as those three things together um, that I don't think necessarily would occur occur to everybody but like giving yourself grace while you are grieving is such a huge part of arriving at healing like it really that was a big lesson that i that i learned when my dad died mm. that makes a lot of sense brett and i like how you you formed it that way it can you know grief is not at all linear but the kind kind of the logic you used there was nice and linear let me give myself grace you know let me recognize i'm grieving give myself grace and space, and that will help me get to the healing elements. The interesting thing about grace, which I, which is, you know, a, a spiritual concept that is not attached in my mind to any one culture, religion, spiritual ideology, anything like that. It's simply the idea that there is a benevolent spiritual force out there that's unconditionally loving and merciful and it's operating in all of our lives in the world to the best of its ability at all times. Mm. And whenever you are suffering in some way, or you're going through a transition phase, you know, there's something in your life where you're feeling a little bit at sea and you need extra support. Grace kicks in in overdrive. So mm. during those times, you can sometimes notice an increase in synchronicities an increase in helpful people or resources showing up for you. And that's Grace saying, hey, look, we get it. You need extra right now. We're giving extra. So do you think of Grace as, how do you think of Grace? Like as it, the way you're saying it, it sounds like almost like an angel type energy. I just think of it as Grace for me is another, it's, it's an arm of spirit. If we okay. think of it as kind of a non-denominational benevolent force that's out there working. I think grace is how it operates in the world, mm -hmm. um, as well as angels, you know, this kind of thing, spirit helpless. As you know, I've written a lot of uh, books about angels and I talk about angels a lot, which again, I also think are non-denominational and, and work for everyone. Mm -hmm. But grace is this kind of lovely gentle spiritual force that's almost uh it's almost the invisible machinations of things i think mm. where it can get into the framework maybe not through a specific entity like an angel or a spirit guide or this but it's it's almost the woven fabric of the mechanisms of this benevolent force that can just start pushing things through the system where you get in like like we just talked about an increase in synchronicities, increase in support, increase in awakenings. Because sometimes mm. when you have grief or a transition, some of it is just, oh my gosh, I feel so ungrounded and lost. Mm. Something's ended in my life. I'm in a huge transition. I don't know what's next. I don't know where to go. I don't know what the next step is. So sometimes it can just be the force that sends you information. 
and, and just helps enlighten you as to what to do right now and give you some glimpses on the horizon about where you might be headed. That's very interesting. The, I, the idea of like, because I have come largely through discussions with Natasha, like to think of love as its own energy in the universe and the idea of grace as its own energy. Like I literally up until this conversation, I tended to think of grace as being an action, either like, Mm. you know, extending myself grace or extending somebody else grace, but something that a person or an entity did as opposed to something that simply exists in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that you bring that up, Brett, because I think that is maybe how in in pop culture and in the language, how we think of grace, Mm -hmm. we don't think of it spiritually. That's that's how we think of it. But in the deck, I do have a card about being a force of grace in the world Mm -hmm. and sometimes recognizing that that force of grace can act through you and encourage you to say something helpful, do something helpful, be kind or merciful to someone. And it can be grace kind of working through you and influencing you and even putting words in your head or words in your mouth to say to someone. And you can also just be more, if one way to align more to grace and, and kind of surround yourself more with that energy, call even more of it into you. It's operating in your life regardless, so don't worry. Mm. But if you want really snuggle into grace, be mindfully be a force of grace for other people, be a force Mm. of compassion and mercy throughout the day, while Mm. maintaining your healthy boundaries, as Natasha would tell us to do, but be (laughs) a force of compassion and mercy throughout the day in any way you can. And, and that will align you even more to this force of grace. I I love that. I too have not, I'm like obsessed with this idea now of thinking of it as an energy Because like I have one of my meditations is embodying a quality that you want. And I've never thought of embodying grace, but it's like almost like an up-leveled ease. It's like, Hmm. that's how I'm tuning into it now. It's like, it's almost like the queen of ease or something like it feels like I love that. And that's how I think of it too, Natasha. Their grace and surrender are very much aligned mm-hmm. and very very close bedfellows because it's often yeah. when we are the most surrendered because either we finally become exhausted with trying to get to an outcome or figure something out we we're in a situation that's so limited that we feel like we really don't have many options to exercise whatever has kind of brought us to that dramatic sense of surrender just pure exhaustion maybe yeah. but that you know or or just complete confusion i i throw up my hands i give up i'm not sure what the answer is that is another avenue and window into grace coming even more forcefully into your life because Mm. we feel that as humans we don't feel like it all the time but we are powerful spiritual beings and we know that because we have free will um Mm. so i could say something very nice to brett right now or very mean to brett that's my choice to make and it's a huge (laughs) choice to be given in life and you know i never say anything mean to brett (laughs) or anyone tanya (laughs) is the nicest person you'll ever meet oh that's too sweet it's true but you know it's it's weird when you are in that surrendered state it really is and and your your mighty free will as a human you kind of release that a bit and say 
I, I really want spirit, angels, grace, all these benevolent forces, love, as Natasha says, I want that to take the wheel a bit more and show me what is the next right action. Come in and work more more proactively in my life because I'm giving you more space. I'm saying, hey, I don't really know right now or I don't have the energy, I don't have the options. I'm releasing, I'm surrendering. Then because you do have free will, the divine benevolent forces that are always working for you can step in and say, oh my gosh, this is great. They're giving me more space to do my thing. They're allowing me to do that. I can really come in here and tap dance and do some fancy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of like spirit having like a um a to-do list that they weren't allowed to do. Like I can't, can't they won't let me in to do it. Tap dancing has been on there for three weeks. Right. Since <laughs> they always say as above, so below. Mm -hmm. And you know, if somebody is sitting there um knocking themselves out to mow their yard and do all the weeding and all of this. But let's say they have a physical limitation or they're just really busy in their job and they don't have time. Well, we're all going to sit there and let them do their lawn the way they're insisting they're going to do it. But if they release and say, I don't know if I can do this anymore, it might be that a neighbor steps in and says, you know, let me just do this for you. You don't even have to pay me. Or I, I know someone who runs a landscaping business and they have a deal right now for the summer. So it's the same thing as it is in our human life. When we, when we release and make space for other people to come in and help us, it's the same, it's the same in heaven. I think it's so weird because or not weird, but of course this is so in sync because we were just talking before we talked to you about opening up, like what happens when you can't control your, um, external circumstances like you're mm -hmm. in a situation where you can it's like I feel like this is also aligned because mm -hmm. we were talking about how like just I won't repeat it because we already just said this to the listeners but like just showing up for yourself and like caring for yourself can help it opens things up I was talking about how it opened th things up in your energetic space and so then this takes it to another level because it's like as you open up in your energetic space, you're more connected to source. You're allowing for this connection that already exists between you and source or you and the energy that we can't see, you know, that. It, and so that allows it all to like, I don't know, it feels like it aligns with what is in the highest good. It's like you're, you let go of resisting. Mm -hmm. And it allow as you open up, you're not resisting to what is, and that allows for these things to come in to help. Right. Just as that editor gave me that great suggestion, but oh no, this is my Oracle deck. I'm doing it all. Right, right. All the work. You just stand back and let me do it. When I when I just softened a minute and thought, let me be open here and surrender, is was that was that just someone trying to be helpful, but it wasn't really useful? Or was that actually Grace putting those words in that person? Mm -hmm and encouraging them to tell me this thing that could be really useful for people with the deck. So, uh, and I do think it's that it's that strange thing sometimes where it's such a co-creative dance and everything in life is that. It's that yin-yang balancing act. How much do I need to take action and be proactive and be the leader in my life and make decisions and steer things? And how much do I need to step back and say, maybe I don't know the answer here. I don't know the right action. Or maybe someone can come in and help me do this better than I could do it for myself. And I think that's just, it's a daily thing we have to feel into. Brett, yeah. were you going to say something? About well, I was just going to say this is, I i mean, I didn't anticipate 
talking so much about grace, but maybe that, uh, maybe we're being open to it right now. But the <laughs> um, but this is just reminding me so much of uh, I mean, my limited understandings of both of these things, but of the Sedona method, like just allowing what is to be, not resisting, like giving yourself or the universe grace, but. Uh, and also just like the idea of the Buddhist idea of letting go of, of want or, or, you know, resisting your current circumstances by putting your energy into needing something else. It just is fascinating to me, like all of the connections that this idea has to so many other things. Well, I love that you brought that up, Brett, because to me, it does hearken to the Buddhist philosophy of being with what is and allowing and resting in what's what is and saying yes and to what is here right now. Um, and I do think that the best spiritual ideas, philosophies, ideologies, there's that through current through so mm-hmm. many, because that's how you know it's that little current of gold mm-hmm. is really universally true and really universally helpful. Yeah. yeah. And even like, as we're talking about grief too, um, and you know, the, I don't know what they would like, the main current of Buddhism is life is suffering. I mean, that's the, I don't know how you would say what that is, but like, that's where it starts. Life is suffering. And so then allowing whatever's happening. And just kind of the acknowledgement that we can't avoid it. We all yeah. want but it, but life is it, that's built into the fabric of it is the suffering. And, and yes, there's different types of suffering, different levels of suffering, but no one escapes suffering. And when we try and, and spend our whole life trying to resist it or pretend it's not happening or escape it, it creates even more suffering. Yep. Uh, it really does every time. Yep. Yep. Um, And so the grief portion, it is, in, I, I don't know how much or little or you want to share, but I, you have had, I mean, you lost your mom when you were very young. You've had a lot of grief in your. Yeah. Like, like I said, Natasha, I don't think anyone escapes suffering. So I would mm-hmm. never say, Oh, I've suffered more than other people or anything like yeah. that. When I was reading that, when I was writing the intro, I kind of, I just wanted to pitch to readers and I do this sometimes in my angel books because I don't want people to think I've lived some charmed life <laughs> where not much has happened to me and I do That's I not yeah yeah <laughs> no danger of that <laughs> yeah I, I told my my agent my childhood and teenage story once because I was just because I was getting ready to write a book about teenage mindfulness which is out called Zentine and I just was trying to explain to her, I didn't know if I should weave any of that in or how much. And she just said, that sounds like a Dickens novel. <laughs> <laughs> how relatable that will be. Uh, and there's people who've suffered so much more than me. I mean, I, I, I am so. Well, yeah, we can't. I mean, who knows? Like we. Uh, let's not, get a rank going if we yeah, could. we should. Let's talk to God and find <laughs> out. We'll just see where you are on the scale because maybe you're underestimating. Yourself. It's like an IMDb star rating. There's a suffering right. rating. But, but I, I think I have my grief bona fides. Let's put it that yes, way. Yes, you certainly <laughs> there. have. Yes. My bona fides. And I just wanted people to know that when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm not talking, I'm not speaking from a place where I haven't been there. Because I don't think that's useful when you're teaching about something that you have a limited experience of, and it's just ideas to you, or you're parroting what other people have said. And the the cool thing about grief, and that's such an odd thing to say. I'm not <laughs> the cool thing about grief. 
But I think the cool thing about people who are who are called to speak about this or write about this or try and jump in and help people heal and that kind of thing, they often do have a very uh, some trauma that has encouraged them to want to help others. And they often, as everybody does, have their own unique spin on what to do. Yes, there are many things that we all agree on are helpful. But I think if you read a memoir by one person about grief, you get an oracle deck by another person, you you might see those similar threads, but you'll also find some really unique tools in each one that that person is specifically able to give and share and teach about. So that's why, you know, when you are grieving, I think reaching out for support tools from many different people. That's a great point. Because you'll get a lot of different good ideas from different people have different things to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hate to, this felt like it went by in two seconds. Oh my God, for real. Like yeah. this felt like a two minute interview. Yeah, I really do feel that. Um, and unfortunately we have to wrap up a little, maybe slightly earlier than usual, but um, this deck is so supportive. I'm so glad that you made it and that that person made that stupid suggestion that you took. Just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> um it's real it's 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 also really beautiful the colors i've already talked about i love the little pouch okay i'll stop talking about the pouch but i love the velvet pouch i think we sell the velvet pouch and we could all retire off that not gonna happen (laughs) uh so you can get this deck everywhere you get your decks right yeah yes you can get the deck from barnes and noble amazon or I, I like bookshop.org too. That's a website that will support local booksellers. Oh, good. And it can be a nice gift too. If you feel like the person is open to Oracle decks, you know, you have to be a little yeah. careful people are grieving. You don't want to upset them and yeah. you don't want to say or do the wrong thing. So it's, it's good to kind of play it more conservative with someone who's grieving. But if you feel like they're an Oracle deck person, it can be a really unique gift, whether they're grieving an injury, a divorce, a person who's passed, any anything in their life, it could be nice. Yeah. And you can always ask. I don't think it hurts to ask even when we're grieving, like, would you find this supportive? You know? That's a great suggestion, Natasha. Yeah. And where can, are you doing readings right now, Tanya? You, Tanya yes. does amazing readings. Yep, I'm, I'm doing my intuitive readings and you can find that information on my website, Tanya Blessings, if you feel called to reach out to me. And it was just so fun to, I just love talking and to Brett mm-hmm. and Natasha and seeing you two. You're just so magical <laughs> and fun to be around. So thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for being here, Tanya. Thanks, Well, we hope you loved it like we did. Yeah, we sure did. She's so great to talk to. Yeah. Okay, so to wrap up, I'm going to pick a card from our deck. And again, just to remind you, if you'd like to win a copy, email us at gettingtoknowwoo at gmail.com. And we're going to pick a winner. What's the name of this deck? Oh, this deck is called Grief, Grace, and Healing. So I'm going to pick randomly here we go (laughs) okay the card i picked was healing under the healing of the grief grace and healing and it says 
Seek support while processing old emotions heated up by an event, a date, a relationship, or a comment in the present. Uh, Healing from loss takes a lifetime. Sadness, rage, or confusion today over what happened a long time ago is normal. Seismic shifts are, are occurring in your ability to connect with and comfort your emotional body. Buried feelings are flowing. Cool down. Hmm. I feel like this is what I was trying to say. The site when she said seismic shifts are occurring in your ability to connect with and comfort your emotional body, comfort your inner child. Like yeah. that's how you can make these seismic shifts. Yeah. Through consciously connecting to the energies of safety and whatever brings you also what brings you alive, like what yeah. I was saying before. Yeah. I think those are probably similar. It's interesting because the name of that card is Experience Healing Via Volcanic Eruption. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Oh, if you'd like to find me anywhere, you can find me at Natasha Levenger on TikTok and Instagram and on my website at highestlighthealing.com and sign up for my newsletter because soon it will be on Substack and I'm excited about it. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.